Amen. That's a great song. I'm looking forward to worshiping to it this semester. Uh, as, as Jesse alluded to, we get the, the privilege of studying uh, Colossians uh, for something like the next nine weeks. So you might uh, turn to Colossians. Uh, it's uh, really a lovely, lovely book. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about what it's, what's in it to start with. Um, but uh, I'd encourage you, it actually, reading through it takes about 15 minutes. And this semester, we didn't block out uh, a Sunday to just read through it aloud together. But I'd encourage you, you know, to just sort of settle in yourself, if, if you plan to, to be a part of this, to, um, to block out 15 minutes and to read it. Uh, for me, what that looks like is I sort of say, okay, I'll try to read it today. And, you know, starting tomorrow, basically... I, I won't watch any movie, YouTube, Netflix, etc. until I get to reading it. And so it's sort of a gentle way that, you know, I know I'll get to reading it. Um, whatever works for you, but it's just such a treasure. Remember, this was written in one piece. Originally, it was heard uh, because there was only one copy. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to read uh, maybe the first two verses with you and then sort of pause and talk about kind of the context for the whole book. So uh, hopefully we have that popping up here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So, in a modern letter, right, you learned in third grade or whatever, you're supposed to put to Johnny at the top and from Keith at the bottom, right? Uh, in that time period, you actually put um, from Keith to Johnny in the first sentence. Um, and so, this is, this is maybe just a little bit unusual because Paul is so associating his identity that he sort of puts it where your name would typically go. He's saying... Paul, an apostle. An apostle is one who was sent by God with authority. Um, hmm, <laughs> that's exciting. Um, so, a one who was sent by God with authority, by the will of God. He, he was sent to proclaim this amazing message of Jesus Christ. And uh, he, is, he is with a man named uh, Timothy, I always think it's sort of interesting that he mentions Timothy. He sees this guy as a partner in the gospel, although all through the letter he sort of uses I, and it's clear that he's writing it. He's saying, I'm in partnership with somebody else making much of Jesus here. And he says, to God's holy people in Colossae. So he's saying, this letter is to the believers in a town called Colossae. So, um, I have not yet been lucky enough to travel to Greek, Greece and Turkey, so the best I got is a map. So I brought one up. You know, for me, it's just sort of easier to sort of think about where these things go. Um, and this is an important map. Can you hear the buzzers? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Paul uh, became, became a believer on, on the way to a city called Damascus, over sort of in the lower right near Jerusalem. Um, he, he resisted God. That's an amazing, amazing story. It's in the book of Acts, if you're interested. But after he became a follower of Jesus Christ, what happened was, um, uh, he was he was praying with believers, and the Lord said, send Paul and another guy named Barnabas initially, send them off 
to make much of Jesus' name. And so what Paul did was he traveled through what was mostly the the Roman world. He actually went to that city, Ephesus. He sailed there. He went to Philippi. He went to Thessalonica. He went to Corinth. Um, He went there and he spent a substantial amount of time. He told people about the hope of Jesus Christ, um, what what he would call the gospel. We'll get into that word in a little bit. Um, And those were big cities. They were port cities and really important. And frankly, Colossae wasn't wasn't a port city, wasn't that important. It's a little like Nacogdoches, right? I mean, it's important to me, but <laughs> maybe, maybe not a lot of like world happenings happen in Nacogdoches. Uh, so what happened was Paul had never been there, which makes it kind of a unique, special letter. In fact, we'll see uh, in the reading today, he tells them that um, I, I heard basically about your faith from this man, Epaphras, who told you this. So this is, it's pretty fun because in some ways, this is the situation we're in because none of us know Paul personally, right? But Paul was really thrilled that there would be believers that he didn't specifically plant. And he, and he has a, just a, a love and sort of a pastoral heart for these these um, believers. And so he tells this message, and I think it's a really sort of a timely message for all of us because he tries to hit just the key points of what it means to be God's holy and faithful people. And so uh, you might have heard Jesse allude to, you know, Paul's going to get into, you know, you don't add on a bunch of stuff to the gospel. Uh, You don't You don't say, well, I need this. Oh, but I'd really be right with God if I did some extra stuff. By the same token, Paul will say, you know, giving your life, giving your whole being to Jesus should change what life looks like. It's not like you do that and then then the rest of life looks exactly the same. And and Paul has some things that are are sort of specific to Colossae. But actually in chapter 4, he says... You know, you Colossians, after you've read this letter, make sure and share it with the church down the road at Laodicea. So Paul was really expecting that this letter would do exactly what it's doing here. You know, it was written to the Colossians, but it was written for all of us, for a a well-grounded faith. So um, maybe that's enough enough sort of an intro uh, N.T. Wright, uh, a Bible scholar that's really good, he has, he has sort of two caveats that I wanted to mention. His two caveats would be this. When you're reading this, the first one is, one shouldn't think of Paul as first covering doctrine and then covering ethics and practice. He says, for Paul, the whole message is about what you believe, and the whole message is about what you do, who you are, and really the whole message is about Jesus Christ. So I think that's an important sort of thing to, to recognize, to bear in mind. He has one other point. Nearly every section, every subsection, could be accurately summed up in reference to Christ himself. And so Wright says, you need to see the point. Paul has an important message within the message. Jesus is extravagantly enough. Jesus is sufficient. Jesus is somehow the right answer in, in the belief category, in the practice category, in everything. To sort of steal Paul's word from a little later on in Colossians. You know, 
Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is before all things. And in, all, in, in Jesus, all things hold together and have their being. Jesus is the head of the church, his body, so that in everything, Jesus Christ might have the supremacy. In everything, Jesus is central. And that's, that's something you don't want to miss any of these weeks. That's, that's kind of the point. Okay, so let's jump into the passage today. Uh, we're going to be going verses 3 through 14. Um, and Paul starts off by modeling his interaction with God. These are people he doesn't personally know, and he says, I want you to know sort of how I, I interact with the Lord. And the first section is in thanksgiving. I think that's telling. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. So notice, Paul isn't just saying, thank you, God. He's saying, let me explain to you that I thank God. Paul is, is teaching here, and he's saying, I want you to know I start out by regularly, regularly thanking God. Uh, that is somehow an entry into the beginning of a right relationship with God. In fact, in, in Romans 1, the, the chief accusation against humanity is failing to pause and respond in thanks. And so I, I think this is, this is uplifting on sort of a couple of levels. One, uh, you can sort of see Paul's delight at a church he didn't plant, he didn't really have much of a stake in, but he's so excited about what God is doing. But he's also sort of teaching us, this is what your thanksgiving to the Lord looks like. And so um, I'd, I'd encourage you, I encourage you to spend you know, 15 minutes reading the book, probably if you were going to pray this to the Lord, it would take hours. Because I want you to look at these phrases, and I think this is something I actually started doing in my 20s. Sometimes I've, I've, been, I've been lax for a while, but, you know, in preparation, I come back to these words, and they are delightful words. So look at these, look at these phrases. I have a few that I've sort of made um, in yellow. Um, because... We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's purpose, all God's people. So I think honestly in my own prayer life, sometimes what I do is I say, thank you God for this food, more than I say, wow, thank you Lord for the people who have changed my life because of their faith in Christ Jesus. You know, thank you Lord for the faith of Gail Wyatt in Christ Jesus. That is a blessing to my life. You know, thank you, Lord, 
for Cynthia Knowles and for her love for the saints, for her love for other believers. And Paul is saying, there is something really wonderful when you do that. It begins to open your eyes to the good things, the generous things God is doing around you. And I've got to say, I find it profoundly uplifting to use this as a model for my prayer life, as a model for what I can do in my life. Um, Now, (laughs) so I have to give you like a a 30-second story here. When I started dating my wife years ago, I'm a pretty linear guy, and so you have like, if if you were to look at my typical notes, there would be like big bullet, sub, 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 second bullet, linear, linear, it's black and white, there it is. My wife, when she takes notes, it's beautiful and crazy, and I remember the first time, actually, I I was right about there the first time I sat next to my wife during a sermon, and her notes had pictures of the characters, and maybe some hearts or flowers, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, because I'm a linear guy, is she even paying attention? You know, I mean, so about, I don't know, halfway through, she leans over to me and asks a pretty deep question about sort of what's going on. So I'm like, somehow she is able to, like, draw stuff and pay attention. <laughs> that, you know, if, if you see hearts and flowers on my notes, I'm not paying attention any longer. You know, that's just the reality. So this, this message, I organized it just because I look at the text and I think this is honestly the most accurate way to organize it. This is sort of a shout out to Meredith. Um, this, you, you might notice there's virtually no outline. There's room for a picture. Yeah. Because what happens here is, notice what it says, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven. This is sort of an action thing. It's moving. There's faith and there's love, and somehow that stems from, stems from should make you think of, a flower, right? But, but I'm serious here, right? I mean, so why, why, are you, why are these people able to be so loving? Why should a believer have faith pouring out of their life? Because there's hope. Because we have not only heard the testimony of a risen Savior, but we have experienced redemption in our lives. That it should be springing, it should be growing up, as it were, in our lives, right? But that's not all. You know, there is a hope. It's in heaven. Jesus, right now, this day, sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes, speaks on our behalf, right? Um, So, you know, he has plenty of time. He knows Whelan by name. And he intercedes to the Father on your behalf, on my behalf. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. That is hope. But the hope comes from something. And so you want to look at that passage and look just, hopefully you have your Bible out because it's sort of hard to have two things. And I've got to have my picture up here, right? Um, you've got, let me find the verse. Let's see. Uh, that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. In other words, so I'm at the second half of verse 5, right? And so you have this hope. Oh, 
and I, I put it up there, right? Uh, so what's happening is the, that hope actually springs from something. That hope comes from this thing called the gospel. And I told you that we'd spend a little more time on that word. That word is pivotal in this section and really all through Colossians. The gospel, literally, it's Old English for good news. So this is good news, but it's, it's a very specific thing Paul is talking about. That's why they don't just translate it good news, I guess. Um, it's, it's a proclamation. It's proclaiming good news. And this word that Paul's using was used when a new king was proclaimed. In other words, you know, Rome gets a new king. They send out messengers saying, there's a king, get excited, right? Those messengers are proclaiming the gospel. That's the word that Paul used. This is a proclamation. And really, that proclamation, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing. You can again see those sort of organic words. This is growing. This is moving. It's not quite like a static outline. It's really sort of like this picture. The root that all of that is coming from is the gospel, the good news that God sent his one and only son to die for us, to take the brokenness that belongs to me and belongs to you, and to replace that with a belonging that comes from sonship or daughtership, from being a part of God's family. And so you can sort of see, why well, I left plenty of room for the picture, uh, the gospel is the thing that somehow all of this is rooted in. Without that, there wouldn't be hope. Without that hope in Jesus, the love and the faith it just wouldn't work right. And so I'd encourage you, if, if you do, take time to go back and to pray through this text. Take time to thank the Lord. That's what Paul is modeling here. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to know a hope in heaven and a hope now, belonging as children belonging to God. But Paul goes, goes from here to sort of a second half. So this, uh, it's interesting because Paul's, all of what we'll talk to about, of all of what we will talk about today is Paul explaining how he relates to God. He starts by giving thanks, and the second half, verses 9 through 14, he begins asking the Lord for good things. Now, I confess that if you were to sort of tally up the things I ask of the Lord, probably you would find way more my toe hurts or my neighbor's toe hurts or, you know, guy, I hope this project goes well. Perhaps we pray more for, uh, what, <laughs> exams, job interviews that our, that our kid or our parents would <laughs> quit messing with our lives than for big stuff. And I don't think the Lord is offended at all that I pray, you know, when my toe hurts, he's my father. I, you know, I don't think he's bothered by that, but I think it's somehow like being invited into a mansion and camping out in the garage, right? That somehow, that might be a picture of where we often land in our prayer life. Does the Lord want to hear what's on your heart? Does he want to engage you? Absolutely. But there are wonderful things to ask for. And I think this is just a spectacular picture of how we can pray for those things. So 
Uh, with that, let's, let's read this passage and listen to what Paul is praying for. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Not stopped is his consistency. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I want my prayer to look like that. I want your prayer to look like that. So let's sort of go back I, I mean, to pray this well, you know, would take an hour. And uh, LeGraff tells me I can't keep you for an hour, so I'll let you out in a little bit. Uh, but let's just go to the key points here. And, and let's, let's think about what would it look like to incorporate these, to include them in my prayer life. So he prays continually, asking God to fill them with the knowledge of God's will. You know, God... Would you fill me with the knowledge of your will? That's what I want to be praying for my family. God, would you fill my wife, would you fill my children with the knowledge of your will? You know, and he shows us sort of how he unpacks that. Would, would you do that by the gift of the Spirit? This is the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives Lord, would you do that generously? Lord, would you do that for each person within the sound of my voice? Would you fill them by your spirit? Not by some effort of their own, but by your spirit with an understanding of your will. He wants, to, he wants them to have a life worthy of the Lord. He wants them to please the Lord in every good work. Is that the kind of prayer that we're praying? That's the kind of prayer I want to pray. I want to say, Lord, I pray for, for the staff of Grace Bible Church that you would make their lives worthy of your beauty. That, that you would empower them to honor you in every good work. That's what I want for them. That's what I want for you. Bearing fruit... There again, you can see it, we have again this organic imagery. Something is growing. It's natural. It's alive. This is springing forth, right? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. So it's not just the knowledge of what God wants you to do, what God wants, but it's the knowledge of who he is, what he's like. This good, good father wants you to know him well. Being strengthened with all power. He wants, Paul wants the believers that he loves to be strengthened in power. And so he's asking the Lord for that. According to his glorious might so that you might have great endurance and patience. 
and joyfully giving thanks to the Father. Lord, may we be people who joyfully give thanks. And so, um, in keeping with my motif, I made it another flower. Um, because I think this is growing. This is the fruit, right, that's coming by the Spirit. I made the stem over here, Spirit. You can make your stem whatever you want. But notice, what's happening is the Spirit is bringing forth these things in our lives. He's uh, allowing us to enter into knowledge of God and of his will. He's allowing us to have his power to live a worthy life, to have great endurance. And then don't miss that, that last sentence. The last sentence in the text today starts in verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. That is the good news proclamation. Um, uh, I'm sorry, it's a little cut off there. If you could back up. Um, the, the root there, that's the gospel right there. God has rescued us and redeemed us, it says, and adopted us into God's kingdom, right? This is the proclamation of a coming king. That God has not just rescued us. He didn't just take us and leave us. He didn't just take us and put us in his amazing kingdom about his purpose. He also redeemed us. He also purified us by his son's sacrifice, by the forgiveness of sins. That is the gospel. That is the root from which all of this grows. And this whole picture is profoundly, profoundly good news, right? This is wonderful news. And so I sort of want to close with this. I think many of us, I first gave my, my life to Christ when I was five. And yet, do I remember that this is good news? Do you know good news? So I, I, I would long for all of you to know Jesus. But particularly, I would speak to those of you that that do know the, the author and perfecter of our faith, do you remember what good news this is? Do you remember how uplifting this is? And Paul's whole life, he pours into sharing this good news. And so I think a good place to sort of land today is to say, will you prepare to share good news? This is beautiful news. Paul does it in a sentence there. So I figure if Paul can do it in a sentence, I ought to take <laughs> three or less. You know, there are so many beautiful ways to do that. But the important thing in my mind is, have you thought about it? Have you thought about how you would share it? It doesn't need to be somebody else's words. It needs to be genuine. Most of all, you need to believe that it is good news. Um, it's, it's really sort of like a flower. Every flower is different. And yet they sort of all communicate the same message, right? They communicate life, right? There is life. That's the reason there's flowers. Um, I would love for you to sit down, take some time to think about how, how would I communicate this amazing hope that I have experienced? 
I, you know, with somebody who, who could use some good news. Um, and, and I'd love for you to practice. I'd love for you to share it with somebody. You know, if you have family dinner this, this evening, you know, I'd love for you to, to share it with your family. Uh, if you're in a small group or a Bible study, I'd love for you to bounce it off somebody that you open God's word with um, and to say, hey, I want to be able to share this amazing message, this beautiful thing that, that God has shared with me. Um, uh, you know, and, and if you're not really sure who to share it with, um, share it with me. I'd love to hear the, the beautiful message. Uh, I asked a couple other elders. The, the first two that responded were uh, Scott LeGraff and Ben Dodson, so I'm going to put up our email address. If you want to share it, I mean, seriously, I would... I would be thoroughly uplifted to have my inbox filled with good news this week. With good news of a Savior. Think about those words. How would you actually say it? Because every flower is different. But they all communicate somehow that message. Maybe the message that you're sharing is, you know, life is messed up. I'm broken. And the beauty is that God stepped into that brokenness, became flesh, and shared something beautiful with me. You've got to prepare it to be able to share it. You need to prepare to share something beautiful. And it's a little risky. I can't, I can't fib. You know, if you're, if you're giving flowers to somebody, they might turn you down. They really might, Right? That's not a flaw in the flower. The flower is beautiful. And it's not a flaw in you. You have something beautiful. Something beautiful to give. Something eternal. These things, they're going to be dead in a week. You have something that blossoms, that blooms more and more, will grow into eternal life. You have it to share. You have this treasure. You know what the Bible says? It says, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the treasure is from God and not from us. I'm going to grow old and wrinkly, and if the Lord doesn't come first, I'm going to die. Paul is dead, and yet his words of life, his gospel, lives on. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I hope that the Lord empowers us to share, to share this beautiful thing, to, to make known the world needs good news. I need good news. We need to remind each other of this good news that we have, that we are able to share. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, I praise you that you so loved the world that you sent your one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That is the good news. We thank you for it. We pray that it would change our lives. We pray that it would change our lives so much that it would be pouring out of us so that others could know this good news. We bless you. We thank you. We love you. Amen.